I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Greetings from Stockholm, Bratislava and Berlin. My name is Henrik. And I'm David and you are listening to the Check Your Facts podcast. So Henrik, uh, did you buy the Nintendo Switch yet? Of course I did. <laughs> I got my Switch along with the uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild a couple of weeks ago actually. You know, I'm a I'm a big Nintendo fanboy. So naturally I already love the Switch console unconditionally. Well, of course you do. And did you buy the red and the blue version or the gray one? The red and the blue, of course. Anything else would have been outrageous. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't support VR, though, uh, if I'm not mistaken. No, that's right. It doesn't support VR, unfortunately. So I guess you've also bought the PlayStation VR, since you are a big fan of VR as well, I mean? Well... Actually, not yet, you know. But I, but I will, I will buy the PlayStation VR soon. That's a fact. And until then, I have immersed myself into the on, uh, online course "Intro to Immersive Journalism: Virtual Reality and 360 Video" um, by the Knight Center for Journalism in the Americas. Wow, sounds interesting, but uh, not quite as interesting as our next guest. Really? Why? Well, because she's not just a fan like you. She's actually an expert on these things. Wow, that sounds delightful, David. I'm thrilled. Well, me too. And uh, with that being said, let's welcome today's guest, Susanne Dickel. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. So, Susanne, yeah, welcome. Absolutely. welcome. <laughs> how, how do you like to be called? Hi, thank you. Suzanne or Susanne? Susanne is, Susanne is for, it's, it's absolutely okay to say Susanna or however you want it. That's okay. Well, thank you for the warm welcome. Well, th- you know, uh, thanks for, for being on the podcast. It's, it's a pleasure to have you, Susanne. So, um, yeah, I'm excited what you will say and what you will ask. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> perhaps yeah, we so. could, <laughs> perhaps we could start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, um, I dived into VR and or uh, I've been a journalist before. Um, I've been learning. I learned at a journalism school in Munich and then I started working in Berlin and I started working as journalist, video journalist at Die Welt, a German uh, news, newspaper, news uh, media. And there I started diving into VR in 2004. 15 yeah like two years ago and uh, actually it was like my my boss said martin martin heller he said who wants to uh, do research um, of what we could do with the vr and journalism and i was like the very first one to raise hand and so i started doing a research and i um i have to say that uh, in journalism uh, or for what we do um, right now we're i'm mostly doing 360 degree videos so it's not exactly what you would call vr not cgi because um well we think that uh, we are virtual reality real virtual reality is really interesting and right now it's not that far developed that we could use it 
in journalism because it's pretty pretty hard to learn uh, to learn coding and to learn um, what you need and um, you need to know how to work with Unity or other engines, gaming engines. So that's a bit complicated for journalists. So if you know about video editing, for example, you can already do something with the equi rectangular videos that you shoot with 360 degree videos and um, you've got to unlearn lots of things to do 360 degree videos but you can handle it it's easier um, and faster to produce than real virtual reality but what we think um, Martin and I, we've been, um, uh, we found R, which is, could call it a production company for um, 360 degree videos. And we think that uh, those videos are kind of a bridge to virtual reality as soon as virtual reality, or maybe as well augmented reality or mixed reality or whatever <laughs> is, uh, is cheap enough and easy enough to learn and master. For journalists, we will be very happy to use that in, in journalism as well. But what we want to do is not that those kind of unicorn productions, you know, those uh, productions that you do once in a lifetime or once in a year. But what we want to do is produce them steadily, like several several months or something like that mm. and not just one thing which costs about like fifty thousand dollar or something those things you cannot really do in journalism just for for winning awards you can do that maybe once or twice but not that often as we want to do it yeah but i mean in the new york times they have they have uh, also a team um, dedicated to vr and mm -hmm. i guess they as well only like mainly do 360 video right i think so yes yeah. this uh what i've seen so far yeah i think the only only project i've seen that has been like developed also by cgi and it was like journalism documentary it was done by guardian six by nine i'm sure you know about that yeah yeah, I've I've seen another one. I just don't remember by whom it was. It was no. At least I've seen at least two more. Like one was um, was one um, concerning a, a crime scene, some kind of crime scene yeah, which was yeah. in VR. No, I remember. That. Wasn't and that another Tampa one. Tampa Bay yeah, Times. Possibly. I'm, I I'm really know it's it's already quite some time that I've seen that. I think it's like half a year ago I've seen that. And another one was capturing or uh, covering the the war in in Colombia with the FARC guerrilla, I think. They had they showed um the life how it is in the FARC guerrilla and being in the jungle and that was actually like it looked like a game from the 90s and um, I like gaming as well and I'm really impressed by by games like The Witcher or something which are have really really nice graphics and when I watch those <laughs> graphics from those virtual reality experiences it's a bit like um, it's interesting <laughs> But it's really not comparable to to those experiences that I have with 2D games because yeah. those are really polished and really beautiful, like Assassin's Creed, where I'm really walking through those streets and I'm really seeing that it's like real reality, yeah. and that's closer than the virtual reality that we have so far, unfortunately. So, did you buy PlayStation VR? 
Not yet, because I'm not that much of a console player. I'm more a computer player. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I got a new computer about half a year before I started to get into VR. So it's not VR ready, unfortunately, but I'm looking forward. I'm really thinking about buying a PlayStation VR because I've tried uh, Robinson The Journey. Yeah. You've heard of that? That game? It's... Yes. Uh, it was really nice. I really liked it. Yeah. And besides, I'm um, at into VR. We have we have an, an HTC Vive. So uh, when Martin is not looking, I'm playing a little bit with the <laughs> HTC Vive. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of kind yeah. of jealous because the HTC Vive is supposed to be like one of the best on the market right now. Yeah, it's pretty cool but actually i've got to say it i think that um the playstation headset i like it more it's mm-hmm. it seems not that heavy to me as the htc wife although uh you're getting used to the weight of the, uh, the htc wife yeah um so when you're not playing <laughs> playing games on htc <laughs> you also <laughs> You do some. some... It's like exposing. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, so you're playing games? Yeah, it's work. Okay. <laughs> Besides playing games, like all of us, um, you're doing some projects, and you actually recently returned from from Lausitz, um, a region near Berlin mm-hmm. in Germany, um, where you did a project with a team of young journalism students. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about this region and the project you did there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you said, it's uh, it was a project with young journalism students, and it was their final project. And there were sixteen young guys, and they had to, uh, yeah, actually they had to present this region. Uh, the Lausitz is the region where they were. They are still doing a lot of coal mining with large. I think they are called strip mines, like this huge um, open spaces where there are, lo- there are those real, real huge, huge machines mm. to uh, to excavate the, the coal from the earth. And um, on the other hand, uh, there's the um, transition from coal to renewable energy. So there are as well um, lots of windmills um, around or other other possibilities um, to use renewable energies. And the region is trying to attract tourists with uh, those huge um, lakes that you have after there are those huge, really huge holes after after coal mining is finished and they're uh, filling some of them just with water. It's a really great project for a 360 degree video because just standing on one of those huge machines, it was really awesome. I was standing on one of them, which which was like, I think 100 or 150 meters high. And it was really awesome. And I mean, those machines are really huge. And usually no one gets the possibility if he he or she is not a worker, uh, you will never have the possibility to to go into one of those um, strip mines. And so um, that's really something uh, where you can really have useful, a great experience for users. Yeah. Um, to have the possibility to stand at, at a place where usually they would never be able to stand. Um, 
And that was one thing that we did with them, but as well, those so the touristy side of this and um, the the science part, um, they had stories about this renewable energies and everything in 360 degree video. So we, they were, uh, part of the group was shooting with uh, Samsung Gear, mm -hmm. uh, Samsung Gear 360, the small camera, consumer camera, uh, because it's really easy to use and probably as well as it's, it, it is pretty cheap, so um, the possibility to use it later in, in their job, as it's pretty cheap as well for the media, media companies, it's easier to, to get those uh, than bigger cameras. But one of the teams, uh, which we call the beauty team, which should, uh, should uh, shoot the most beautiful scenes, um, they were using um, a GoPro, a GoPro rig, the six GoPros, and a Kodak, Kodak back-to-back -back camera. Are these stories live now? I mean, um, have they been published? Or... Yeah, they're live. Okay. Yeah, they're live since uh, last Friday. And if you understand a little bit of German, at least, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, so far, they, at least they're all in German. Maybe we, we, maybe one day we will have them in English as well. I will give you a hint if that's the fact. But so far, they're just in German um, and they're on 360lausitz.de. That's okay. it. We'll provide a URL uh, in the like uh, description of this podcast and also uh, in the blog we'll publish afterwards. <clears throat> ah, great. Yes, definitely. So, uh, I, I see it. Uh, one, one thing, uh, could you, I, I'm not sure how secret this is, but could you talk some, uh, a little bit about the, the reception of your projects uh, by your audience? Or like, did you, like, uh, did you grow some like new audience by doing these projects or did you like was it uh, a welcomed thing by your like recent audience this would yeah. be quite like interesting for me to hear um in this case as it's the final project of the students um it was presented um to everyone who wanted to to who was able or wanted to come so we had a kind of small vr cinema um, at the at the journalism school in Potsdam, which is uh, Potsdam is near Berlin. Berlin. Yeah. Um, so there were lots of people coming there who had never experienced uh, anything in VR or 360 degree video before, and they were really astonished and and they were really like it's it's great to see. Um, so yeah, as someone who's in VR, I'm often at fairs or anything where lots of people running around who are tech fans and, and who are like, when they're watching 360 degree videos, the only thing they're doing is searching for stitch lines. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, can get a little bit annoying after some time because, well, the fans in watching a video is not exactly searching for faults or mistakes, um, but to see, to, to watch the story. And I think we've had really compelling, really interesting, engaging stories to tell. Yeah, that's quite, you nice. know, um, that's quite in interesting because you, 
earlier you said that you are more impressed by games than the VR created for for journalism. And I feel um, in in Sweden, the only uh, publisher that has done anything as of yet is Dagens Nyheter, which which launched a, a VR app a few months ago with four stories. Mm-hmm. And um, the the most popular one was, it, it was just, a, a, what do you say, a commuter ride, um, which was, you know, technically impressive. But the story mm-hmm. wasn't really impressive. You know, it, it's, it's um, this commuter track that has been built in, Stockholm it has taken quite a long mm-hmm. time so well of course if you live in Stockholm it, it it's kind of interesting to see how it will look like and but it's more from a technical perspective because it's like you are the train they attached two cameras yeah. on the train and then they edited it so you know they they removed the train during the editing so you are the actual train which is kind of cool to <laughs> experience yeah um, but then you know the most compelling story was a story from ukraine where a photographer uh, went down to ukraine and interviewed some people living in in some parts of ukraine where the war took place um which was you know not as as technically uh, impressive but more compelling. And the thing is that the the, the more technic, technically impressive story about this commuter train is actually the, the most popular one. So I'm like, mm, what I'm what I'm asking here is like, first of all, have which is the the, the most compelling story you have seen, um, you know, from a journalism perspective. Because obviously the the, uh, the technically more Im- impressive stuff will always be done in in the gaming community, sort of the gaming world. But what stories uh, have been the most compelling? Um, well, if you're talking about stories uh, from from other people, I'm I'm still really impressed by Clouds of Cedra, although it's pretty old in in terms of VR speaking, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it was just great piece. It was really, I've seen it, um, the first time I've really seen it was in a VR cinema. And um, maybe that's because as well, I was just a few months before that, I was at a refugee camp, um, not that one in, in Zatari, but um, uh, or in, in Lebanon, where it was, um, but it was really um, emotional to to see that um, again and to be to be there to feel like you're being there. So um, that definitely is uh, still an interesting story and a, a great story to hear uh, and to see. Um, Which one is the most compelling story you've done, like in one of your projects? Um, in this case, I'd like to uh, not to talk about one story that I personally made, but about it, um, one that uh, a colleague of mine, Christiane Wittenbecher, um, has done for for us for Into VR. Uh, she's been in northern Iraq, and uh, she's done two stories there. 
for um, the uh, for Blick, which is uh, from Switzerland. We were producing that for a Blick VR, and it was really amazing work that she did there. She was um, she was doing troubleshooting in VR, and we we proved that you can do troubleshooting in VR because she was there when she was there. Some ISIS warriors got captured, and she was there and she set up the camera and she had that scene when those isis soldiers warriors were standing at the wall uh, captured and that was really really impressive work yeah sounds very and impressive. um yeah and she's uh, she's been talking to to one of the soldiers she's been doing a portrait of him uh there um uh, not of the ice but um, from the other side and um, and the second story from there she brought home was um, about the situation of women's uh, women uh, who were living under under ISIS and that was really really emotional as well like that's one um, there's one woman telling her story, like how she how she had to live under this wheel, and that she couldn't breathe under this wheel, and that it was really horrible for her. And when she's talking in front of this 360 degree video in front of you, she's lifting up her wheel and and talking about that, and she's really really it was really amazing to see that. So that was. Wow. Um, um, an impressive, impressive story, not by myself, but by into VR. Yeah, that's a good example. Where, 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 where do you actually publish all these things? Are I mean, is there one website, or do you make a, a special website for all the projects? Uh, and the second question, then, how do you promote VR, like to to people? Uh, yeah, well, uh, as I said before, uh, we are kind of a production company. So we are producing, um, we are offering 360-degree videos um, to to other media companies, and they're buying our expertise, um, and they are asking us to go and shoot something. Or we are saying, okay, that would be an interesting subject let's cover that and um, either they accept it or they don't mm. and so um, many of that's amazing those... that's actually this actually sounds like uh, like you're like a movie company right like yeah uh, actually nowadays in hollywood you know you the, the filmmakers go they make a movie they pitch it on a festival and it could mm -hmm. end up in a, like cinema or it, it could end up on Netflix. So this is kind of interesting, uh, uh, <laughs> interesting work in journalism, like uh, for me yeah. to see this is happening. Mm, uh, maybe I did explain it wrong. It's not like we have already produced something and we are offering it to someone, but we are like produce, uh, we are, um, we are sharing ideas, what we could do with potential um, okay, uh, employers. So you're, you're pitching ideas for publishers. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. And then uh, they say, okay, let's do that. And uh, like the story, as I said, was for Blick, which is a media from media company from Switzerland. But we were producing as well for Axel Springer. Um, but as well as journalism is a bit um as i said uh, you need to produce cheap 
<laughs> and it's uh, it's sometimes a bit difficult. So uh, we need as well other sources for um, or other employers, other other brands. So we are producing as well. Um, I see, but I mean, brands. in the end, so is is it you who goes and produces the piece, or do you do it like together uh, with with the with the media company or whoever whoever it is? Uh, usually we are producing it and they're watching it sometimes they have wishes to to change something and so we we change something in the edit but um, usually we are producing the whole thing from from beginning to end and do they do they send their own reporter and you do all the production around him or you just do the piece No, no, it's like uh, we called it, uh, we are, uh, we are VJs. I don't know if this is, I think it's as well a term you're using in, in English as well. VJ, video journalist, uh, and we are having now VR VJs. So um, the people we are working with are uh, reporters, journalists and themselves, usually video journalists, so they know a little bit about uh, camera, how camera works and everything. And But they know as well how a journalist um, tells a story. That's actually something I think that that's the difference between us and other Uh, other companies, other startups in VR, because many of them um, are more from the tech side and they are doing really, producing really amazing stuff, but um, they don't have that much experiences in, in storytelling. And we're more from the storytelling side and we are looking for this amazing story. As you said, this, um, this wow experience of being a computer train yourself, <laughs> I think for too long. I mean, there are still quite a lot of people who haven't had any kind of VR experience um, so far. So yeah. go on for some time. But in the end, people will be fed up with this uh, fly with us. Yeah. Whatever in, in, uh And then they'll create a huge A380 or I mean, I've been myself doing something like fly on a zip line or be in the middle of the Holy Festival in Berlin or something like that. But mm. it's it's cool, of course, and it it depends. But sometimes it's really easy to do that. But to to tell a story and to make it accessible mm. for everyone, make it to create it in a way, although that you don't know that where where the user is looking um, to tell a story that is really engaging and to make sure that no one is missing an important thing. Um, I think that is um, that is something that we can do and we know a lot of about what an emotional and interesting story can be. I think that's the difference between us and other tech firms. Yeah. Nice. One thing. Have you, have you... Oh, sorry. Go on. Go on. No, no, no. Go ahead, David. It's okay. No, I wanted to. I wanted to just point out an example. Um, uh, just came to my mind as you were talking about how how do you get the user uh, in 360 video look where you want him to look, and um, do you remember The Verge? They've done this interview with Michelle Obama, 
Mm -hmm. and yeah. it was done in 360 and that was kind of amazing because they were pointing out like they were like graphically illustrating the path where you should like look and they they they, 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 they sort of guided you yeah i think uh, i think whether i was really guided at least i, I felt like I, I was guided because i i was i was kind of there but uh, as they mm -hmm. do this these videos they try to like uh, like do mm -hmm. graphics within the the video and yeah. uh, i think it was done in a pretty neat way that i like they walked me away from like looking at the the at michelle and the interviewer and then i sort of like they they guided me back because like you tend to get lost in the vr yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think I remember that when um, there was uh, just just a few days ago, I think there was a, at Facebook a remembering uh, post, remembering post of this, the, mm. that it's one year ago that they, they've aired this. Yeah. And I was like, wow, one year ago. <laughs> and like I, I think there's, in, um, right now you can do that with Facebook as well. You can do Facebook path when you upload a 360 degree video to Facebook, you can select points of interest where the people shall look at. And uh, when you're not moving uh, the mobile phone or the mouse or whatever, um, the, uh, it guides you through this path of points of interest. Nice. One thing that is kind of surprising to me is that, you know, when we're talking about virtual reality, we're always talking about virtual reality and augmented reality. And also, I mean, the experts, they agree that AR has the biggest economic potential. I don't know if you've read it, but according to the worldwide semi-annual augmented and virtual reality spending guide. Wow, that's a really long word. Um, well, from the International <laughs> Data Corporation. <laughs> Sorry. Um, according to, to this spending guide, um, worldwide revenues for the AR and VR market will grow from um, like $5 billion in 2016 to more than $162 billion in uh, 2020. Cool. So, and, and the thing is that AR will generate almost four times more revenue um, than VR. I mean, AR will generate almost four times more revenue than VR, according to this forecast. Uh, so Did they explain like, why they think so? Because it's almost um, AR is already generating uh, more than four times more uh, revenue than VR. Wow. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking about any AR experiences that I've seen. I I know like about Pokemon, Pokemon, yeah. Pokemon. Pokemon Go. <laughs> That's yeah, um, yeah. Okay, sure. And of course, before the Pokemon Go, you had but, the Ingress, which is the same company. Uh, it, it was also a huge yeah. success. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was thinking about uh, journalistic. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that will be my question because um, AR is, you know, it's much more mainstream. But what about the journalistic potential? Because most publishers right now seem to focus on experimenting with VR, but not not much AR. So is this because like um, it's it's is it because it's more I don't know 
natural for us to work with VR because it's more similar to video experiences and video storytelling than AR. I could think it's uh, because it's the same reason why I said that we are producing 360-degree videos and not virtual reality or mm. CGI environments. Um, I think it's because it's, uh, I, at least I think it's pretty difficult to to learn. I, need, I mean, you mm. need to know about coding. It's a bit more than just holding a camera. Um, so, um, so it's like a, I think a, that's a technical a, that's barrier. That's one point. I suppose so. Mm. Although, of course, for producing 360-degree videos, you have to know as well a few things, um, a lot of things, actually. But I think it's more natural when you already know about um, about video making that you start to produce 360-degree videos because it's uh, you know about editing and, and everything. So that's um, more, more common to you. And um, I think, although everyone's talking about that, it's really necessary to learn to code. Like I think um, Angela Merkel just said that coding should be something that every child le should learn yeah. uh, in Germany, like like writing. That's very sensible. And absolutely, really, uh, she's she's absolutely right. So I think that's one thing, and to learn how to work with Unreal Engine or with Unity Engine, how to reproduce something with that. Um, I think that's pretty useful, but there are not that many, many people, and maybe there as well, not that many people around who um uh, in in the media who are at least in germany the market is really pretty tough um for many brands it's uh, still pretty difficult to tell where you can get revenue from and so there's not that much space for experimenting and you know about german angst <laughs> Tech, tech that's really can be really terrifying thing. So let's better not try something. Um, so that might be some reasons, at least in Germany. Uh, but I do really think that we will see a lot of things in, in augmented reality as well. But so far, I haven't seen many things in, in journalistic. I think I remember one thing that you could scan. Uh, uh, a print magazine and then it had the the photos came into life or something that's yeah <laughs> that's as well kind of wow effect it's wow cool to see for the very first time but mm. it doesn't make much difference yeah. so actually it would be great to see some kind of story in vr have you seen the video hyper yeah. reality by the designer and filmmaker keichi matsuda i am mm, not sure how about you david no, not really. It's a video of of uh, an augmented reality society, sort of. Um, so it's it depicts this person, um, a woman who's riding the bus to a supermarket, and you know she has this sort of interface. It's not you know they don't say if it's like uh, Google Glass or whatever it is, um, but she 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 constantly sees all of this information um, surrounding her so when she goes to the store uh, the supermarket to you know pick up some groceries there are lots of animations of everything and then suddenly 
uh, in the middle of, of her shopping. It, it something you know it malfunctions, and um, so this. Um, the point being that you know with ar we could really have this sort of hyper reality society where we are always connected through um, an augmented reality interface um so i was just wondering what do you what do you think of of these kind kind of um predictions so to speak, because right now everyone are very excited about VR and AR and stuff. But will VR and AR ever become that mainstream, like an iPhone? What do you think? I, I mean, uh, I don't think that about 15 years ago, no one would thought that everyone would be running around with a smartphone in his hand and like uh, that like never giving it out of their hand i at least i don't do that i am i'm one of those uh, smartphone junkies uh, yeah uh, me too so me too. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's but i wouldn't ha ever have thought of thought of this um that this could happen like 10 years ago or something yeah. so um why not um, on the other hand i was just thinking about um, that it might um, enlarge this gap between um, rich people or those people who can afford to buy this kind of stuff uh, and the other part of the world who, who isn't able to take part to participate uh, in this, and um, I really hope that um, there will be a possibility to make it cheap enough for everyone to to participate in one or another way. Yeah, of course, that that's a very important aspect. But I, I think that um, at least um, in in terms of social life, augmented reality and augmented reality headsets or, or glasses like hololens or something like that those they're uh more 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 social uh and more socially acceptable like you're not completely shut off uh, shut shut off from the world yeah uh, which some people experience as a problem <laughs> i mean you all know about those videos where someone is making fun of a person who is uh, who is in vr or in the 360 degree video and they're doing things to them or laughing at them um that's not really nice you don't really want that so maybe people are getting are backing off from uh from vr when they're seeing that other people that it's not that social yeah so that could be something uh, difficult for for VR, and that could be something that AR could solve. Yeah. But I think they're different. They're different media. Uh, you can tell different kind of stories with mm. with both of them, and that doesn't mean that any any of the stories or any of those media is better than the other. Um, I still like print a lot, so I really like uh, reading uh, magazines or a printed uh, a printed newspaper. Um, and I, although I, I really like my smartphone, so <laughs> yeah. both have pros and cons. Yeah, of course. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. Um, 
So I think <laughs> I think David is getting ready to to ask the very last question of this episode. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> what do you uh, say, David? Th- thanks, Henrik. <laughs> so be prepared. Um, no, actually, it's it's a it's a pretty straightforward question. Um, we we never talked about the 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 real challenges of like VR, because uh, for a new technology to really take uh, um, take off, uh, uh, there needs to be like um, everything around should be like without friction for the public to get on uh, the technology and like. Um, to really adapt it. So, uh, Susanna, where do, where do you see the ch- biggest challenges and who do you think will or should um, uh, solve them? Like, is it the tech companies? Is it is it like us? Should we get used to like watching VR on our smartphones or should we all buy VR sets? I mean, do you even see this coming in the near future? It's kind of like a loaded question, sorry. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's more than just one question. <laughs> um, but let's start at the beginning. Um, what's the biggest challenge? Uh, yes, of course, as you as you mentioned, that uh, people are um, have the possibility to watch it. And actually, I think the real experience you will just have with hot Google Cardboard, a good headset. <laughs> so. Um, uh, yeah, that's one thing that you that everyone uh, should have a good headset um but i mean you can and... get a good headset from for for how much like 20 bucks or like 20 euros or something like that yeah i think the samsung vr headset is like um 40 or 60 or something and if you go um, like well, without the brand really you can get the problem actually with the headset is not exactly the um the headset but uh or the goggles themselves, but the the mobile phone that should be um, a pretty new one. So it will take, I think it still takes some time until everyone has a good headset. And the other experience they have when they use the headset for the first time or the, for a third time, like um, at first we had quite a lot of horror experiences. Uh, it's e- an easy thing to think of to produce a horror experience, but the thing to to scare someone and give them a negative experience when he use he or she uses um, this kind of media for the very first time because when you have a negative experience, probably you will say, "Oh no, thank you, I don't like that." So that's one one thing that might be a downside. Um, another thing is uh, the actually the content itself that it's not just those wow experiences because I won't uh, like next year or um, in two years I won't take a headset and have a look at. Um, at something like at some story like uh, uh, let's do a ski jump or something like that because there's lots of that around and actually um, I think people will prefer um, hearing stories watching stories Mm. um, watching good stories and um, that's something that we don't have that much so far for for people to buy a VR headset so (laughs) 
that's it's actually a vicious circle on the one hand you don't have many people who are having a vr headset which are the audience where uh, publishers uh, to which publishers can sell their products to or their content to and uh, on the other hand uh, for there's not enough content to buy a headset mm. i think that's mm. one of the biggest challenge which is yeah. circle but on the other hand i'm really looking forward because um, I do think that we have a really great new way to tell stories for, for journalists and for filmmakers or, um, in general. And I think that we can really do something different with those videos. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good last statement. Yeah, it's actually very positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I need to do something against uh, German angst. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah, we'll work on that. <laughs> From counting right, you're our third German guest, actually. Seems German wow. is very... Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. And how many guests you had in general? So uh, you're so number seven? Yeah. Well, that's like half of it. Yeah, almost. Pretty much. So yes, oh, we oh. should like uh, not yeah. invite any more German guests <laughs> <laughs> into the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but it's it's uh, you know uh, Germany is big and you have like very big media publishing houses, and yeah. you do a lot of stuff. So um, Susanna, what is it? You know, I got I get totally confused with all of these different pronunciation of your name, but it was Susanna. <laughs> <laughs> Or Susanne, right? Susanne. Su Su yes. Susanne. Okay. Um, <laughs> and anyway, flight underscore one. Um, exactly. Is, yeah. That's <laughs> which is your name. My Twitter in the handle. Digital journalism rocks community flight underscore yeah. one. So it's been a pleasure. And in Twitter and everywhere. Yeah, and everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure um, to have you on the show. And uh, that's it for today. You should, if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, um, you should do that on iTunes or, or SoundCloud or any app you use. And you should also subscribe subscribe to our newsletter. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and yeah, and definitely yeah. check out our, our our website, which is uh, checkyourfacts.eu, and that's EU as in European Union. We really like to talk about the European Union in the end. <laughs> anyway, so checkyourfacts.eu. Uh, you will find all the links to our social uh, networks, to like to our like social media accounts, uh, to to the RSS uh, for the, you know, uh, if you want to subscribe and uh, also to SoundCloud. So go to the website and everything is useful. Also to the blog, uh, the link to the blog will be there. And Susanna, it was like really pleasure having you on. This was amazing. Yeah. It was a really great experience and really great talk. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. Thank you. And to everyone Thanks, listening, and, uh... you should definitely check out the um, all of the things that Susanna has talked about uh, because we will add some links to the podcast description. And finally, David... Don't forget to check your facts. Yes. <laughs> so, bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>